one of us needs to say something. <laughs> well, firstly, can I say, I can still see your baubles. Thank you. In fact, let me put that in a slightly more sinister voice. I can see your baubles. Oh. I know. <laughs> it's a very creepy moment. <laughs> and secondly? At 180! Oh, yeah. Forgot to explain that for people. No, they'll find out. They know that that starts, right? Welcome, everybody, to episode 180 of the Mid-Faith Glasses podcast. Uh, my name is Nick Page, and there is Joe. Yes, slightly resentfully, but here. Why are you resentful? Because I'm here talking to you when out of my window is the most spectacular sunset and I should be on the beach with the birds watching it now. I'm here with mm. you. Such is my commitment to making you look good. What? Yes, OK. <laughs> Thank. Is this a reference to the baubles? Adam it is a reference to the baubles. And not podcast recordings. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I'm putting them on Facebook every day. I know, that's kind of you. Thank you. It avoids me having to create, you know, a ghost <laughs> Facebook account in order to do it, which I sort of considered, but then I thought, no, that's really, that's really missing the point, isn't it? That's really... There is yeah. a slight irony to the fact that there you are producing little videos to go out on Facebook every day of mm. Advent, and you're not even blooming on Facebook. Well, they're not going out just on Facebook. They're on Instagram. Oh, okay. oh are they? Oh, okay. I think they're probably on the Hodder Twitter feed. I don't know. I haven't checked that. Mm. I mean, really, Hodder are doing it. I'm just sort of... Okay. Right. Well, I no, I am doing it. But... You just you just do as they say. You're their monkey. Yeah. Well, to be honest, I'm feeling guilty because I'm late with the deadline for the other book. So oh, right. I, I agreed to do this. <laughs> it's a way of... As a way of compensating. Softening the blow. Yeah. <laughs> They've been so nice. They've been so good to me. I thought, oh, I better, I better do some promotion. But I'm quite, I'm quite enjoying them, really. But I've got to do a load more. That's the trouble. Once you decide to do an Advent lot, you realise, oh, I've got to do 24 of these. Yeah. Well, I've enjoyed mm. the first ones enormously, so thank you. Oh, well, that's kind yeah, of you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. yeah, very good. Good. Um, have we got any um, church notices to start with? Um, well, maybe we have about this upcoming episode. Well, this is true, actually. So I think I think it's the only one, yeah. Yeah, so how do we put this? This is the special cuddles episode. It is the special it? cuddles episode. We have been, uh, <laughs> we've been engaging in, in foreplay for two weeks now about it. <laughs> We're sort of building up to a lovely glass, lovely glass of wine and you know a nice day out and then uh, and now here we finally are at consummation. So look, the thing is, uh, this is an interview you've done and yeah. it's a great interview. Thank you. Uh, with uh, Becky, who's a sex therapist and relationships counsellor. And relationships counsellor. Yep. Yeah, no, that's good. And um, and so it it obviously contains some. How should we say? Sort of sensitive or some... It contains sentences of a sexual nature. Yes. <laughs> From the very beginning, as they say on the TV. From the very beginning. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> Listeners, I trust you. If there are people you don't want to hear this, maybe turn the volume down a bit. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't listen to it with your mother. That's what I would yeah. say. 
No, exactly. Um, anyway, we'll come back to that in a, in a minute. But yeah, just to say, this is that episode. If you've determined you don't want to hear it, switch off now. Although I haven't asked Nick how he is yet, and I'm keen to know. How are you, dear boy? Um, I'm I'm pretty good. Uh, I'm not bad, really. I'm very, very busy. Mm. Loads mm. of stuff on. Uh, bought a Christmas tree. Good. You know, As so well as the we... one that's sitting behind you, so you're Nick two yeah, trees. Yeah, well, that's the sort of cheap, fake one that okay. I use for videos. This is mm. a real one. Okay, yeah, good. Because uh, we like a real... I do oh, like yeah. a real Christmas tree. Who doesn't like a real Christmas Everyone tree? Everyone loves a real Christmas tree. Yeah, so I got one of those. Uh, oh, I sang this ridiculous song the other day. Oh, good. <laughs> um, well, it just had a line in it that just... I, it, the line is, Awake the kingdom seed in us. <laughs> Do you know that? Speaking of the sex episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Awake... I mean, what does that mean? Awake the kingdom seed in us? Oh, come yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> the mind boggles. I mean, you know, I was singing it. And I thought, what? And I had to sit down really at that point. Anyway, but apart yeah. from that, I'm, I'm, you know, apart from um, constantly sort of engaging with strange yeah. songs, I'm all right. Mm, good. Yeah. And to yourself? Excellent. Yeah, yeah, good. Also good. I tell you what, I've been feeling. I mean, not to put too big a downer on it, but there has been this devastating news recently about the refugees and and those mm. that drowned in the. And, it, and I can't I, I just can't move on from that particular news story. You know, some news stories come and go and you don't feel any sort of emotional connection to them necessarily. But this one, for some reason, I, I really have. Maybe it's because I love walking on the beach and I could easily come across some, I suppose, although Worthing's a bit far over, probably. Um, and and I think what really struck me, uh, what has stayed with me about that is the desperate plight of refugees Oh. And um, and just that sense that there are there are people, you know, 50 miles from me who like their absolute dream would be to come to this country to maybe have a house with hot and cold running water, you know, a warm house, a place where they could, you know, feed their family. And I suppose it's just really struck me that I am absolutely living that dream. You know, that dream that would be the ultimate dream. I mean, that, you know, it's not my ultimate dream, but it's humbling to think of all I've got. And there are people that, yeah, so I don't want to put a downer on it. I just, that is is staying with me. And I'm trying not to feel guilty about what I have. I'm trying to live really gratefully um, with it. Mm. And, 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 you know, and asking the questions about what does it mean about the way I live and, how I give and all the rest of it. So, yeah, it's a humbling and a beautiful thing and I'm genuinely grateful to be here. And look, look, look at that sunset. You can't see it, can you? I'd have to turn no. the computer around. But... Nor can any of the listeners, so thanks for sharing that. No, I'm going to put the picture on Facebook. I bet you are. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, yeah, because that's what you do. But uh, no, I think that it is. it's all very challenging, very difficult situation. I think very challenging for all of us. I know. Well, we look forward to how you continue thinking about that. Um, we're not going to do any feedback this episode because it is just the interview. Yeah. Um, but I did want, i tell you what, I did want to read this because I, I, one of the best things you can do to support the podcast, as well as uh, giving, obviously, that's we're very grateful for that, yeah. is to leave a review because that mm. helps us sort of get advertised and, you know, it just makes people take notice. And so every now and then I go and check the reviews and things like that. And I don't, as you know, Joe, I'm never really <laughs> very good at reading out 
no nice things um no you hate well, at least it. it seems a little bit self- no it just seems a bit self-indulgent but i did read this review and it really touched me it really moved me and so thank you it's from somebody i think called Anne, um and it's public it's on the website so i'm assuming it's okay to share um and she said this um, she titled it just love these guys and she says as a minister of religion and following the death of my husband my mid-faith wasn't so much of a crisis but a cataclysmic mess After taking a year out of ministry, moving to a new area, my faith was pretty non-existent. I asked a colleague for some help and she pointed towards the mid-faith crisis. Now, I wouldn't say my faith is back to what it was before my husband was killed, but Nick and Joe certainly helped me at least find the track of faith. And I just found that really moving Mm, and I'm ever so grateful to Anne for posting it and do hope things are uh, as good as they can be with you. And... Mm. um, yeah, well, just thank you for posting that. And and I don't know why that touched me, Joe, but it was just kind of like... Well, because it's very, very moving. That's why. Well, well that would be it. <laughs> that would be but, it. But also because I think it's just what the podcast is, is, in my mind, really about, is that kind of thing, helping people in that way. But, you know. Yeah. No, and it's certainly, you know, the theme for the year, bringing hope. And uh, yeah. that's that's what we are trying to do. So if you find that this podcast is not bringing you hope, please stop listening. Yeah. <laughs> But well, the aim is to be quite well, the opposite. Don't stop listening. Just carry on. You know. Just carry on in a sort of vaguely hopeless manner, I would say. Yeah. Anyway, look, let's get on with this interview. So yes. uh, set it up a bit. Well, as it were. I tell you what, before we before we get into it, let let me tell you why I did what the motivation was. Yes. Yeah, sure. So the, the the kind of subplot for everything we do is to bring hope to people. And it's not that I feel comfortable talking about sex. I think we've probably established that neither of us are particularly <laughs> on board with that. But I do think it's such an important part of our lives and of being human that I think if people are struggling, um, I want, I want to, I want to bring her. I want them to know there is help and there is hope, mm. and there's there's help out there. And often the difficulty is accessing it. And um, and Becky will tell you how you can access that help. So so that I think that's really important. It's not that I want endless feedback on this. And you know I have in my mind playing you know all the sort of single friends I have who, who felt that the church was always about families and they felt a bit excluded mm, and mm. sidelined. And like now we're talking about sex, like we're talking about something. So you know I have. I have these kind of voices in my head thinking, is this a good idea? Maybe it's not a very good idea to talk about it on this podcast and all that sort of thing. But I wanted to do it because I think if people, if part of people's mid-faith crisis is part of a more general midlife crisis or marriage crisis or, you know, some other kind of crisis, I just want to say, look, there's, there's hope and there's help out there. And there are wonderful people like Becky Francis who, who are there to help help you at times like this so that's why i wanted to talk about sex once we've done this though i think we need never mention this sordid topic again (laughs) that's my view (laughs) well i'm really excited and delighted to welcome to the podcast today not just a beloved interviewee but also a beloved listener of the podcast it's rebecca francis hello welcome rebecca Hi, Joe. It's really nice to be here. Uh, well, it's so lovely to connect with you. And of course, we connected at the church weekend away, which was a very special time for us all. <laughs> it, was. it was great. <laughs> and listen, thank you to you and to your lovely Ian uh, for being uh, so kind and, and supportive of the podcast. Nick and I really, really appreciate that. 
But uh, for people who don't know who you are, tell us tell us a bit about yourself and, and what it is you do. So um, my name is Becky and um, I live uh, just north of Derby and um, with my husband, Ian, and we have two adult daughters who, who live away. Um, and I am a sex therapist and a relationship therapist as well. Okay, well, there we are. And thank you for saying that in such a straightforward way, because when I talk about sex, <laughs> uh, as you know. <laughs> I think a lot of people do. Oh, do you know, there's going to be lots of nervous laughter throughout mm. this. I'm laughing on the in, outside. I'm embarrassed on the inside. And that is a, that's a whole conversation in and of itself, I, I think, really. But um, mm. I suppose uh, let's just get straight into this and um, Becky what do you find are the most common issues um that you come across uh, as a as a counsellor um so in sex therapy probably um there are I should think three most common issues one um for men is erectile dysfunction so um about 52 percent of men will experience erectile dysfunction in their lives so the key is to keep um, to seek help before it could could take a hold right. um, and becomes a bigger problem. So certainly check some check out with your GP first to check out. It's not an underlying medical condition, um, but but it can start to become a real issue for, for men. And then it then sort of transpires that people start to avoid all levels of intimacy. So even just hugging their partner or, or kissing their partner because they're, they're, there's a real sense of failure, fear of failure and a fear of rejection. Mm. So where that might lead. Um, so sometimes I see people where that's been a problem for some time mm. and there's just very little intimacy between them at all. Um, the other thing that's quite common with women is a condition called vaginismus. And um, that is um, is where the sort of the lining of the, the vaginal walls start to go into spasm. So the muscles start to go into spasm. So insertion becomes really, really painful. And that can be for, for a couple of reasons, really. One is that maybe um, a woman started to have intercourse before she's ready. So before she's aroused um, and therefore it becomes painful. Or there's a real fear of, of it hurting. So she's never experienced intercourse, and mm. but she's just got that innate fear. And whenever she's tried to have intercourse, it has really hurt. Mm. Um, and then another really common issue is lack of desire. Um, and I think that is probably the most common issue that I come across. And that could be for a variety of reasons. It could be um, hormone changes. It could be medication that somebody's on. Mm. Um, it could be body changes as we get older, time of life. Uh, you could be busy or stressed. Or, of course, it could be an indication of something else that's going on underlying in the relationship. But it can happen at any point um, in, in your sexual life. And, and uh, you know, we talked about the sort of things we want to sort of maybe discuss and I mean I, I kind of immediately want to go to how do you help with all these areas and is there hope there uh, is. for people who are who are in a real mess uh, yeah in there definitely is yeah. and I you know I don't underestimate how hard it is to mm. actually come and speak to somebody about something that's so personal mm. um, and so first of all I'll meet with an individual or a couple and just 
get to know them and have a nice chat and they can mm. get to know me and I can talk a little bit about how sex therapy works and hopefully allay some of those stresses and anxieties about about this um and you know sex therapy uh, usually uses a, a cognitive behavioral approach to therapy so I don't know whether people are familiar with the different types of therapy but CBT um, is, is a very task orientated process. So I set mm. homework for clients to do away from the session, I hasten to add. Mm. Um, <laughs> and they come back and tell me how that's going yeah. uh, in, the, in the subsequent sessions. But before that, I take quite an extensive history taking. Right. So, um, and, and they're individual sessions um, and completely confidential. So in, in those sessions, I explore in a bit more detail um, what is going on sexually or not. Mm. Um, the couple's past experience of sex and where they learned about sex, which is often really interesting. Mm. And a bit about families and perceptions of their relationship, if they're in a relationship and their future goals. So, the, so the, the homework is tailored to what their goals are specifically. And that's different for different people. Yeah, sure, sure. Mm. So, so uh, another question, how, how would you describe intimacy? And does, does intimacy always have to include intercourse? Does it, you know, does, is that an essential part of the relationship or, or is it not an essential part in your opinion? So the short answer to that is no, it doesn't need to include intercourse. Mm. Um, and in fact, it's a question that I ask couples. Um, and, you know, because for some it's really key and for others it isn't. And of course, as we all know, unless you really want to conceive and then there are medical interventions you can use then, um, it is an essential part of, of making love. But it becomes more of an issue, of course, if one uh, sees it as, uh, as an essential part and the other one doesn't. But that's what therapy is there for, to talk about that and to find a way forward. Um, but I think I would describe intimacy as something that you would do with your partner that you wouldn't do with anyone else. Mm. So, um, I mean... <laughs> Maybe there are different levels of that with friendships, mm. but um, I certainly wouldn't have a bath with anybody else other than my husband. Yeah. So that would be one level of intimacy. Yeah. Um, it may be sharing or talking things, uh, talking about things that you wouldn't share with anyone else. You know, and I've got a really mm. good, a really good best friend who I share a lot with. But mm. I think there is a level of intimacy that you share with with a partner that's a bit different. Mm. Um, it could be just sitting, holding hands, you know, so. Yeah. It, it, it encompasses a whole range of, of yeah. uh, behaviours, if you like. Um, and of course, it does also encompass some form of, of sex or, or, or sexual union. Yeah. And I guess this is why these conversations are always so awkward, because the only person oh. you do talk about is with, about it with is your intimate partner. Yeah. Um, but then that, that's a slight trap, isn't it? If you If you get to a point, where you're having experiencing problems because well you're the only person I can talk to about it. It's no, there's no one else. So I guess that's that's where knowing there are sex therapists out there mm. is really helpful. Mm. Can I can I talk to you about the specifics of um, Christians and the backgrounds? And you know I'm I'm sworn to Rachel not to talk about our sex life in any way during this Good. interview. <laughs> <laughs> But I'll, I'll give away this. So we were brought up as kind of, you know, in the critical years as good Christian people. And they meant absolutely no sex. And, and 
Though no one ever said, look, sex is dirty. No one ever said explicitly, sex is mm-hmm. dirty, sex is shameful. But somehow we picked all that vibe up. It was implicit rather than explicit. Mm-hmm. Unless you're married. If you're married, knock yourself out, you know. But there's absolutely no way until you are married, any of this is good. No touching, no form of any kind of physical intimacy and definitely no form of sexual intimacy. You know, it's it, it was a strange environment back in the heady days of the late 70s and early 80s in the church. And that, we, we dragged all that into our marriage and into our own sexual relationship. I'm not going to talk any more about it than that. But needless to say, it's taken years to sort of, you know, un- unpick and, and reach a reasonably healthy uh, place, I think. Um, I'm always nervous to say that, really. You never know what tomorrow may bring. But, but so I, I kind of, I want to ask you, you know, what, what, what do you find when a couple come to you and they say, oh, yeah, we're regular churchgoers and we come mm. up with that? Is, are, are there specific problems to Christians? Uh, I suppose is what I'm asking. Mm. Um, yes, and I think that um, quite a number of people that I've spoken to who are Christians over the years have, have still have that, that view whatever age they are uh-huh. um, and that's not necessarily a bad view uh, um, but I think the, the point is that it's sex is created by God you know yeah. and I think yeah. what, what we tend to do is um, we we focus on on sexual sin and and because that's sort of got a lot of intrigue attached to it and it seems a bit naughty that's the focus rather than this loving act that god has created that he wants us or she wants us to explore you know yeah um and um and it's a deeply personal thing isn't it And i think a lot of people will have um done stuff shall i say before getting married Uh, And and as I've just talked about intimacy, Mm. you know, that that probably has included things that, um, you know, I personally think are absolutely fine. But but there's this taboo, isn't there, about, well, we can do all these other things, even though it's still a little bit naughty, but we mustn't actually have intercourse. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of it just doesn't really make sense. Um, and, And I actually think, you know, before before today, I was just looking up a little bit more about about what it says in the Bible. And, you know, I think I think the Bible was pretty revolutionary in, in this sense, because in Ephesians and in 1 Corinthians, from what I can make out, is that um, it gave quite a balanced view about sex. And it may not have used the language that we would use now, but actually it was pretty revolutionary. You know, I think it, it was very balanced. Um, no one should be having sex under duress or obligation. It isn't one-sided. We don't have a duty to have sex with our partners. That's just rubbish. That you know, and it, and in fact, the Bible says, you know, it, 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 submit to your husbands and respect your, you know, wives or whatever. But mm. but it's 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 both, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's both. both. Right. Cats both right. yeah, it's yeah. not. Oh, you know, a wife must do this or husbands must mm. do that, and it doesn't matter what they the other one does. Um, so I think we need to be having a, a more. Um, holistic view of yes that. yes i mean i i think wherever there's been sort of sexual exploitation 
particularly by husbands against their wives you know that that's not a true reading of the bible at all or hate mm-hmm. or any of that that is just just call it out as sexual abuse that's mm-hmm. what it is um exactly. and and i know christian men who've done that but i also think the church does itself i mean i was a part of what i considered to be a reasonably progressive church um and yet i remember i remember being there and uh, someone was banned from being in the worship band for because they were living with a boyfriend um mm-hmm. so I, and you know not that there's anything wrong with living with a boyfriend but having sex with them that's that's the implication uh mm-hmm. with that there's no way you can lead worship others in that very same worship band <laughs> you know, I mean, that's a, don't be, but you know like let's just say this you can be as greedy as you like you, oh, you can exactly. you can go out and get absolutely wrecked drunk you can do all that and that and that you can still be in the worship band that's no and you problem can gossip. oh yeah yeah that, that's not that's even a sin is it yeah no. so you know we we no. do have this very uneven-handed approach unfortunately the obsession as i see it, of the church to sex which i think goes all the way back to at least Augustine and probably uh, before, um, has has meant that people have grown up sexually unhealthy, I think. You know, I look at the incidence of uh, pornography and I don't know what your views are on that, And it, but, but you know, the, the shame and the guilt and the, oh. you know, the way men in particular, because that's who I talk to, I tend, you know, tend not to talk to women, strangely enough, about sex, but I talk to men about it. And, and, that, and, and that's such a massive issue. And, it, you know, before we all judge them on the pornography, I, I want to say, why are, you, why are they doing this? You know, and try and have a bit of compassion on that situation to, to really understand what's, what's taken them uh, there. Because actually they don't, need any judgment from me or any other church person on that because they 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 feel plenty ashamed enough so so how do we how do we help those people to start to explore when when things have gone wrong um Mm. where do we point them what what, Mm. how how do we start to help people well i think um the first port of call is to talk to a therapist so whether that Mm. me or, or you know another sex therapist because there are sort of a number of things to, to clarify uh, about whether it's something that's become um, a sexual addiction, perhaps outside mm. of the uh, outside of the marriage, outside of the relationship. Mm. Um, and then there are particular, you know, there are people that are trained particularly in managing that. Mm. And I think one of the things that I would say, um, which I'm sure a lot of listeners on this kind of podcast would agree, that you don't have to go and see a Christian therapist yeah. to get yeah. good advice um and, and any, <laughs> any professional yeah, yeah. well-trained um neutral uh, therapist and i know many of my colleagues that are christians who are lovely lovely people um who you know if, if you say you're a christian then they work within those boundaries and and right. of, of what you yeah. set yourself you know so don't be put off by thinking that you need to see somebody that that is completely that believes the same thing that as understands you. the christian narrative yeah, yeah. yeah. 
basically a professional is a professional yeah, yeah. And we often say don't we like we don't ask someone who's fixing a broken leg whether they're a christian or not we just <laughs> want to know their qualifications are good so yeah exactly. um, i guess i guess the same with that yeah that's yeah. that's really and how i can i just ask a question how easy is it to find a, a sexual therapist are there many of you guys oh. around so um there are a number of sex therapists actually and you know many of have trained uh, or trained relationship therapists as well hmm. Um, and have gone on to train as sex therapists, as I did. Um, and uh, there are also some who are much more medically minded, who maybe have been nurses or doctors before and have now gone on to train in this area. So, yes, and, and you can easily find a sex therapist if you put in a, the NHS search engine um, for sex therapists, then, then they'll come up mm. uh, on a different site of which I'm on. Um, and um, so, yeah, there are there are a number out there. And of course, geography doesn't matter anymore. So, you know, yeah. you can, if, if you're happy to meet uh, and, and meet somebody via Zoom, Zoom, then you can arrange that. Wherever. I wonder whether people might find that easier. Uh, yeah. And, and I've got a number of colleagues now who aren't meeting clients face to face anymore. They're just going to work remotely now. Yeah. That saves yeah. the cost of renting a room and all that sort of thing um so some you know a number of clients actually prefer meeting via zoom okay. don't have to travel anywhere it's it's easy but of course there are still people that prefer to meet face to face actually prefer to come out of the home or have yeah. um childcare issues yeah. or teenagers which is even worse around yeah. uh, you want to you need to to be in your own yeah. space sure yeah no great mm. thank you okay so um well, two things, really. One, my my kind of whole goal for the year is to bring hope. So I, I want to finish with a hopeful story. And, you know, I want to know what words of hope you may have for any listeners who are sort of struggling uh, with that. Um, the second thing was that I do, do see this as a spiritual thing. I mean, in as much as I just don't see anything as unspiritual. So I think, um, you know, I, 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 I can easily imagine that part of our mid-faith crisis and our mid-life crisis and everything, it will also include various sexual problems. And as you alluded to earlier, just the whole process of getting older and how things change and of having course. different bodies and all that sort of thing. So hmm. what words of hope might you have? For people who are struggling, you think, oh, I don't know, uh, this relationship, we've been like this for so long, we did, there's no hope. Is there hope for people? Oh, of course there is hope. And, and you yeah, know, I get some really lovely, not always, uh, but, you know, I do get some really lovely feedback where people mm. have just come into therapy feeling really hopeless, thinking mm. this is just not going to go anywhere and, and, mm. and humiliated. Don't, you know, mm. nobody wants to talk about erectile dysfunction or no. painful sex or, you know, I just don't, ha I just don't fancy it anymore. You know, it's yeah. really tough. So, yeah. I, so I think the therapeutic relationship is key. Uh, so, you know, if, if you in that first session you have with somebody, don't feel obligated to continue on if you don't connect with them. That's mm. really important. Um, and I and I talk to a lot, a lot of people about in long term relationships, about going through seasons with sex, you know, and, yeah. and I think sometimes people forget about that. So it's managing expectations. You know, mm. we plan in date nights and we look forward mm. to those. Um, mm. But we seem to think that sex needs to be spontaneous for some reason. And mm. of course it can be, but there might be seasons in life where it actually does need to be programmed in. Yeah, and yeah, some, sure. for some people that really helps with gearing up to it, feeling comfortable. I talked to somebody recently who said that, you know, their husband goes off to the pub and they have, you know, and have a bath. 
um, you know, and, and so they just start to get into the right frame of mind. So why not? That's really good. Um, and just remembering that when you first got together, it might have been very different to how it is now. So mm. children have an impact, work have an impact. Yeah. Church day, I stare it, has an impact. <laughs> yeah, um, you do. And, you know, <laughs> finding the right time. Um, I know holidays are so much better for most of us, I think, mm. uh, than, you know, busy mm. working yeah. weeks. Sure. Um, so yeah. you just feel, you know, just that's what I talk to a lot of couples about is mm. is being able to, you know, really understand how their relationship ticks and, and manage those expectations for that season that they're in. And then the next yeah. season might bring something different. Yeah, sure. Brilliant. And last question, Becky, let's mm. just say someone's listening now and they think I don't want any other uh, sex therapist. I want to talk to Becky because she listens to the same podcast as me and she sounds all right if people want to get a hold of you can they do that they can so they can find me on the nhs uh, website for sex therapists or on the counseling directory if they put in derby because they have to put in a location then i'll pop up great um and um but but joe can i just say one little thing for yeah. the end just yeah. a, a really good game to do for, yeah. for people yeah uh, it's called the jar game because the other thing that I find is that quite often people have very strange words for sex. Uh, somebody <laughs> said to me the other night in therapy um, that for yonks with their partner, they said, um, let's be naughty. And she yeah. said, I really don't like it. Um, and I said, I'm not surprised you don't like it. So, um, so then they thought of a new word to use for sex. But a way of finding that out is to um, write down five things that you could might want to do sexually or you might want to explore with your partner uh, it might be a different word for sex mm. um, and fold those pieces of paper up put them in a jar both of you and then maybe with a glass of wine if that's what you like mm. you know take it in turns and take these pieces of paper out and and just have a bit of fun with it just make that's yourself great. laugh because you know sex can be fun you know I love a lot with clients as well. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> thank you. That is a really positive way to finish it. Listen, Becky, thank you so much. Thanks for not making this too embarrassing for me as well. <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate it. Becky, it's lovely talking to you. Thanks for taking thank time you. out. I know your life is busy, but I really appreciate you taking time out. Bless you. Thank you very much. Well, that was Joe uh, speaking to Becky Francis. Uh, great interview. Well done. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> well, she made that very easy. Let me say, she is a genuinely wonderful human being, and I'm so yeah, grateful no, to her. Yeah, I thought it was absolutely great. I think what really the what can I say the thing that really struck me about it was that you know she says quite clearly now you know that why should we talk about sex? Sex is created by God. You know, it's, yeah. it was created by God, and yet. It struck me that so often the only really way we ever talk about it in church, certainly growing up, yeah, was was of its bad side, yeah, you know, of exactly. of its misuse or mm. perceived misuse. We never talked about it in a way that actually glorified it or made it, you know, a a, a, a valid thing. No. It was all about the dangers of it. Yeah, really got that message loud and clear from the youth club. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and it always by it always in sort of strange terms as well. I remember having the the you know the sex talk as a in the <laughs> yeah. in, in the youth group, and and the guy running it, 
<laughs> he didn't know how to talk about it either. So he, we had a great. I remember him saying about how it was it was always wrong to touch a girl downstairs. That's what he says. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I thought, well, I've no intention of doing it there. I mean, you know. yeah. <laughs> Upstairs, it'd be fine. It'd be much better. It's so much quieter. You won't get disturbed. And also, he 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 was sort of saying, you know, about how how we shouldn't basically uh, in any way, shape, or form. And yeah, no. he had five children, so he was having it all the time. Yeah. And the rest of us well, were sort of banned from five it, times. kind of. Yeah. Well, at least five times. <laughs> five times verifiable. But you know, so it, it just struck me how much of my youth has been listening to sort of. An emphasis on the misuse yes, or the bad absolutely. side of it. In a way that we don't talk about anything else that God no. gives us in that And, way. of course, that's what makes the headlines in the news, doesn't it? it you know, sexual deviance in the church, you know, and mm. all that sort of thing. That that makes the headline news. And I think also something I became, that I certainly wasn't aware of as a kid, was, was you know, there, there is these sort of sinister teachings in some parts of the church about, you know, they really seem to say that if you're a man and because of your headship status as a man, you can you can basically sexually abuse your wife. That's mm, that's mm. well within your remit. And um, I mean, it's this horrible dark side in some, I mean, hopefully not in many parts of the church, but I'm certainly aware that that exists. And I wondered if, if there were any women out there, part of their mid-faith crisis has been the sort of abusive doctrines that they're, Husbands have tried to tell them are of God. And, you know, so it's a complex and complicated subject, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And it's, and the biblical aspect of it is complicated as well, because obviously the, the I don't know if you I, I don't think you talked about this very much in the in the interview. But, you know, the the biblical world is a view of women as owned objects yeah. very much. Yeah. Yeah. And so you, if you just take that cultural view out of there straight mm. and transpose it it, yeah. it it's jarring it's wrong uh, it doesn't fit with exactly with today at all and nor should it but that's just a historical sort of mm. uh, citing as it were of the, of yeah, the, yeah, the, the yeah. biblical story that's what it's going to be like so you know i don't think that's properly taken into account either that that yeah. um you know it reflects such a different worldview of uh yeah. You know, even even the nature of women, let alone, you know, their position yeah. in society. Sure. And obviously, we, I mean, as we have said and apologised for uh, before in this podcast, we are two blokes talking about sex. It would be equally great to have two women on there, too, but we just happen to be blokes talking about it. Well, and also, not only that, I mean, part of, I think, the difficulty I feel in talking about it is we're two blokes raised during the 1970s. Yes, and indeed. Yeah, with a shared delight in carry-on films, and so that in that that causes yeah. all kinds <laughs> of little problems there. Really, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I, I suppose you know we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about sex now, are we? Please, please, Lord, no. Um, but I, <laughs> but but I think this all. <laughs> <laughs> going out of that interview which I, I genuinely is so grateful to you Becky uh, mm. for, for sharing that stuff and I really hope people will contact you and others um, but I suppose I wanted to make a more general point about counselling and I, and I actually want to be an advocate for counselling mm. and because I, I think that getting through I could not have got through the sort of mid-faith crisis without having 
a good counsellor without having a space to someone. And, and I want to say for people who have hang ups about uh, counselling, you know, who, who I think, you know, they're afraid that someone's going to shame them or judge them or anything. What a counsellor does is they don't give you advice. They don't give you suggestions on what you what you ought to do or anything like that. They simply listen to you and and by by helping you see alternative ways of looking at your life and the the issues that you're facing they help you know a good counselor helps you develop your own solutions mm. and ways to that's exactly what they do and i assume that works in the sexual therapy as well as in normal counseling so a good counselor doesn't doesn't tell you what to do they enable you to see what you need to do for yourself and that brings brings with it a sense of confidence and self-belief and you know i think john philip newell uh, he described it as listening to what is deepest within us. You know, I think he, he and I love that line. I love that from his book, this idea that actually the Christ is in us. And we, you know, what we need to do is not to somehow invoke Christ to be in us. Christ is in us. What we need to do is still ourselves and learn ways to actually hear the Christ in us and and I think a good counsellor will enable us uh, to do that and like Becky said whether they're Christians or not actually I still think that's what their remit is and that's what they do so mm. well I think that's the the word you used in there was without shame and I think that's that mm. is the big issue that we've got is that yeah. because as I said coming out of the interview because basically the way that you hear sex talked about or certainly I heard it mm. talked about sort of growing up was in a context of shame, um, mm. you know, that you something, you know, you should, that would shame you or you would be ashamed of. It, mm. That makes it so difficult to talk to people um, mm. if there are issues in that area because it is something so intimate and so mm. that we mm. feel so ashamed about. And yet a great counsellor, a good counsellor will but yeah. put aside that. The whole point of counselling is to put aside mm. shame yeah. and, to, and to just talk honestly and openly and, yeah. and non-judgmentally. And as as indeed will a good friend. And I think that, you, yeah. you know, in, in mid-faith crisis, you know, it's so lovely to, to be in groups, whether they're your house group or whether you're a group that have specifically um, set up a, a mid-faith crisis group, whatever, or a soul place group like ours. You know, there is no, you come as you are, recognising we're all in need of a bit of help in so many ways and in so many different, there's no need to shame or judge anyone. We're all in the same boat. We're just trying to you know find our way through this whole thing and 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 we hopefully um once we're in that place we will discover that actually we can be loved as we are great well um we should uh, wrap this up so yes we um, should thank you very much for listening we hope i really hope that was helpful uh to people hmm. and sorry if it wasn't <laughs> yeah well you know that's just the way if we're going to say sorry for any unhelpful podcast, Joe, we'll be apologising all the time. Come <laughs> That's on. a good point. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, and as Joe said at the beginning, uh, let us never talk of this again. Yes, exactly. And we'll be back next week. And let's talk about Advent. I know we're a bit late because we're already in Advent, but we really must talk about Advent. I've got okay. some questions for you more than anything. Oh, great. Mm. I'll look forward to that. Anyway, thank you for listening and we'll see you next week. See you next time. Bye. Thank you.